Well, as I like to say, it was another Thanksgiving and another notch in the belt, right? <laughs> At least uh, maybe loosening one up. Um, so I hope you all had a great Thanksgiving. I know it was fun here on Wednesday night being able to, to worship as a, as a church family. Um, I guess one thing that we have to come to grips with now is that with Thanksgiving behind us, we are now officially in Christmas season. So the radio stations, the stores, everything is in full Christmas mode. No longer will people judge you for having your Christmas lights out. And so you can turn them on and not feel bad about it. So we're, we're officially in Christmas mode right now. Now on a serious note, so I know that when we get into the Christmas season, all holidays, but especially Christmas and New Year's, those can, that, that can be a pretty tough time for a lot of people. I know just for me personally, looking at my family background, it was about 25 years ago that my grandma, my mom's mom, passed away just a few days before Christmas. And uh, she had a long battle with cancer. It was expected. We knew it was coming. But, but still, she passed away a few days before Christmas. And I'll never forget the preacher at her wedding. I don't remember who he was or what, what, his, um, what he looked like even. But I do remember he, he had referenced the song, I'll Be Home for Christmas. And he said, that song will never be the same again. And it, it isn't. You know, every time I hear that song, I'm like, yep, my grandma was, was home for Christmas. So I know at holidays, seasons, all of us, to some degree, we can look at the past and say, oh, man, I, I'm, I'm sad for what is no longer here. We're, we're, so, we're sad for, lo, for loved ones who have passed. I know that holidays can be a time when, when that can be really, really difficult. And even for all of us, even if you're younger and, and holidays still rock for you, you know, even, even if you're like in your 20s, you can think back to the good old days when you were opening up Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles under mom and dad's Christmas tree, right? And you can be like, oh man, I wish I could go back there. So there's always this little part of us, at least a little part of us, when during the holidays, there's a little bit of, of sadness, of sorrow, and, and for some of us, it can be quite overwhelming. So this is a standalone series. This is just one message here where, where um, we're kind of setting things up for the Christmas season. And the thing I want you to think about right now is simply, well, what if, what if the best is behind you? And it doesn't just have to be with the holiday stuff. It could be just for life in general. What, what about the good old days, right? What about the good old days? What if the best is behind us? Remember back in high school when you could tear it up down that football field? What if the best is behind you? Remember your college days? We won't talk about college days. Remember your early 20s? Remember back when you were single and you could buy anything you wanted to? What if the best is behind you? Remember back in the days when you were married but didn't have kids yet? Oh, that was awesome. What if the best is behind you? Remember the day when the kids were still little and you could hold them? Remember when the, the kids were still in the house? I mean, no matter what your age is, you can always say to yourself, boy, the good old days, what if the best is behind me? And especially, it seems especially, during holiday seasons, this, this uh, feeling, this, this emotion can easily overwhelm us. Some it's just a little thing, but some it's a major thing. But here's the thing. This isn't just an emotion thing. So guys, we, that's okay, you can acknowledge this. This isn't just an emotion thing. Actually, this goes down to a spiritual thing too. So whether you're young, whether you're old, however you categorize those words, we all wonder this from, from time to time. We wonder, what if the best is behind me? Now the good news is, there's one day in particular when Jesus' very own disciples were wondering this question. 
They were scared. They were saddened. They were shocked. They were wondering, what if the best is behind us? How will things possibly be good going forward? And Jesus sat down with his disciples, and they recorded this so that we can sit down with him too, to have Jesus acknowledge this part of us, both at the holiday time of year and whenever we might be feeling this way. But here's the thing he comes down to. The best is yet to come. No matter who you are, where you're at, how old you are, Jesus says the best is yet to come. And he's going to show us why that's true as we look at a uh, section from Luke chapter 21. Um, so so for, for our message today, it's going to be a little bit shorter because I know you're still full from Thanksgiving, right? So you, you just want to small snacking for the next month. <laughs> um, so today is a little bit of a shorter message. We're simply going to look at a section from Luke chapter 21, but then also Matthew um, also recorded this conversation. And so we'll pull out a few snippets from Matthew too as, as he records this conversation that Jesus had. Um, so, so here's the thing. So this was actually, this is, this is important. Listen to this. So this happens two days before Jesus would die. Get this. This happens two days before he would die. So he already entered Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, riding in on donkey. He's been teaching people, you know, doing all this stuff. It's Wednesday of Holy Week. He's going to die on Friday. And get this. He sits down with his disciples and he says, guys, I know what's going to happen. And the best is yet to come. And that means something coming from Jesus two days before his death. So they're in Jerusalem, and as you look at Luke chapter 21, you can see that it's like Jesus and his disciples are kind of doing this weird thing where they're kind of people watching in Jerusalem. So they're just kind of sitting around. Jesus, in one, in one part, he notices that a very poor woman had given two coins, and so he says, hey guys, did you see that? And he uses it as a teaching moment. And then they're still in Jerusalem, and it seems that the disciples are getting a little bored. They don't have a phone to play with, and so they're basically just looking around. And they get into this little conversation, and, and they say, whoa, whoa, Paul, Peter, or Peter, check that out. And James and Zebedee, they're like, whoa, that's cool, man. And, and so all the disciples are looking up at this temple. And Jesus says, this is a teaching moment. So some of his disciples were remarking about how the temple was adorned with beautiful stones and with gifts dedicated to God. This was an impressive building, even by today's standards. It was an engineering marvel. And people had donated and dedicated all these precious gifts to make it look beautiful. <clears throat> and so they're basically talking it up. They're saying, Jesus, check this out. Did you know that it's 37 feet up to whatever, you know? And they're talking about all these stones and how much it must cost. And Jesus puts on the brakes. He says, as for what you see here, guys, the time will come when not one stone will be left on another. Every one of them will be thrown down. Now, what made the temple important wasn't just that it was a beautiful building with a lot of wealth poured into it, but this was their capital. If you had any connection to, to the, the Jewish ancestry, this was like your capital building. Everything revolved around the temple. This is, this is where your government was set up. This is where your, your church was set up. Everything pointed to this. And for Jesus to say, this is going to be leveled, would have meant something for them. 
so much so that it got their attention. Now, here's what Matthew records after this conversation took place. So they went off to this other place, and the disciples came to Jesus privately because all of us know that when you're in an airport, you don't say the word bomb, right? You go to somewhere quiet so you won't freak people out, and you're like, what's going on, what's going on? So they go to somewhere privately where they don't have to talk about the temple getting bombed. They go to Jesus privately, and they say, tell us, tell us, when will this happen? What's this? Temple, right? When will this temple be destroyed? That's important as we look forward. And what will be the sign of your coming? Because Jesus, if you're saying that this temple will be taken away, then certainly you will be coming to give us something different. If, if this kingdom, if this temple is leveled, we need a new one. So when will you be coming? And what will be the signs of the end of the age? Because we all know that if you take away this temple, then you might as well say the world has come to an end. So they're scared. They're confused. What you and I know is entering the holiday or whenever, what you and I know is that as we look to our past, there are things that have changed, things that we miss, things we wish we could go back and relive if just for a moment. But Jesus says there's bigger picture to think about. Don't just be distressed about what has happened because he's showing his disciples, he's showing us today that one day everything will change. If you want to impress me and take some notes down, here's fill number one on your sheet. In your life, some things have changed, but Jesus says someday everything else will change. Uh, someday there will be a completely new batch of human beings on this planet. None of us in this room will be alive anymore. Someday everything will change. And when you start to think about how things will change in the future, suddenly that widens you a little bit to think about things that God wants you to consider. If things will change that drastically in the future, well then, where does that take us? Where does our hope rest? And once you start thinking about this, then Jesus is able to enter with some real peace and some real comfort. See, in our past, some things have changed, but eventually everything else will change. Now this, this got the attention of Jesus' disciples. You're saying there will be a day when this is leveled? Jesus says, yeah. And they said, help us. <laughs> help us for when that day comes. Um, and so Jesus is going to respond to them, and he's going to give them some, some, uh, some, some guidance. And he's going to talk about a few things. He's going to tell them about the temple. And in fact, um, 40 years after Jesus said this, the temple would in fact be destroyed in just the way that Jesus expressed it. Um, the, the Romans would siege Jerusalem. They would eventually break in. And some historians say it was an accident. Others say it was on purpose. But the entire temple was flooded with fire. And eventually no two stones were left on top of each other. So Jesus says, guys, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you. I'm going to guide you for when this happens. But then he's also going to talk about other things. He's going to look beyond the temple. He's going to look at things going on and say, this will be the signs of the end of the age. This is what it's going to look like when we get there. Um, and so as we go on here, um, we're going to see some advice from Jesus, some guidance from Jesus that even hits to us today as we look at how everything will eventually change.
So he answers them, he initially answers them actually by giving them a warning before he answers any of their questions. He said, watch out that no one deceives you because you know what? When you're scared about how everything will change, you'll listen to a lot of different things. So Jesus starts by saying, just don't worry. Watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name claiming to be this thing from God, claiming I am the Messiah, and they will deceive many. And In fact, as you look at the New Testament, as Paul starts to, to send out these letters to the early church, uh, you see this come up time and time again where Paul has to say, don't listen to this guy. Don't listen to them. They're claiming to be more than they are. This, this was happening even in the early church. And if you're meeting with your growth group this week, that'll be your assignment. How do you see this today? How do you see this deception going on? And what does that look like in your life? So, so he said, watch out, watch out. The second thing he says is you're going to hear <laughs> of wars and rumors of wars. But see to it that you are not alarmed. Now, for people in the first century, when that temple was destroyed, this couldn't be truer. The main reason the temple was destroyed is because the Romans were sieging Jerusalem. But the other reason that really led to its downfall was that even within Jerusalem, the Jews were segregated. They didn't have strong leadership. They were casting rumors around of of, uh, what the other leader was going to do. They were actually um, murdering each other in some cases. And so there was this internal strife from Jerusalem as well as this war coming towards them. And so Jesus' very own words came true in a very dramatic way. But he says to his disciples, I don't want you to worry about this. Don't be alarmed. Why? Because such things must happen. It's part of living in a sinful world. Such bad things must happen because in order for God to be a God of grace and a patient God who wants people to repent, he also has to be a God who at least for a time permits evil to happen. Such things must happen, but, this is important, but the end is not ending with the temple. You see, guys, you're so focused on this temple, you think that this will end the world. Jesus says, no, no, no. Even after the temple is gone, the end is still to come. There's still more to my story that needs to be told, that needs to unfold. And then he gets into something else here. He says, you know what, guys, it actually isn't the temple that's, that's all that important. Let's back up. Forget the temple for a minute. And he goes on here in the next verse. He says, before all this, forget the temple, they will seize you and persecute you. There you go. The best is yet to come. They will hand you over to synagogues and put you in prison, and you will be brought before kings and governors, and all on account of my name. There's something to look forward to. And Matthew, as you look at his section, he actually adds that Jesus told them, many of you will be killed because of this. All right, best is yet to come. But here's the twist. He says, and so you will bear testimony to me. Jesus said, it's not going to be fun what comes ahead for you. You're going to be persecuted. You're going to be imprisoned. But I'm going to weave your circumstances into my story. What you are going to experience will play a part in my story for this world. In this way, the church will be born and word will spread that death has been defeated. 
you will bear testimony to me. In fact, as you look at the, the history of the early church, there was this intense persecution in the first century, so much so that the Christians had to get out of, of um, the Jerusalem area, get out of Judea. And this, this meant that they settled in far-off places where they could tell others about Jesus. And eventually the apostle Paul would come around and gather them into, into local churches. You see, even when we're persecuted, God can weave that into his story. Now, here is a specific thing just for the, the, the disciples in the next verse here. He says, before anything this happens, I want you to make up your mind not to worry. He's telling his disciples, this is all going to be riding on you, guys. You're going to be brought before governors and officials to give a testimony of me, but I don't want you to worry about what you're going to say. This was just for them, by the way. This is a promise just for them. Don't worry about how you'll defend yourselves, for I will give you words, and I'll give you wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. I will give you the very words that take your circumstances and weave them into my story. And so they had this amazing promise. They knew they could stand before anybody, and as they gave testimony to who Jesus was, they would be given the words that would perfectly give testimony to him. And isn't it cool that we can even today look throughout the New Testament what the, what the apostles wrote and see that even to this day that they've been given the words to share who Jesus is. And even in the book of Acts, you can see some specific examples of the apostles standing before governors and how God gave them the words. Now here's what this means for you. This is the second fill-in. God provides the words that will weave your circumstances into his story. And his words to you go like this. He has words of forgiveness. You might think to yourself, how could I, a wreck, possibly be woven into God's story? Well, the answer is he has words of forgiveness for you. Um, He has words of peace. He has words of patience, words of kindness words of gentleness, and all these words coming to you from his spirit, these have the power to take your circumstances, whatever they are, good or bad, and weave them into the very story of God where we testify to him. So to this day, you see God building and strengthening his church as he uses the very people in it to tell his story. Now, this is an amazing concept. Can you imagine what it would look like to go out into life believing that God, through his power, through his words, can actually weave our circumstances into his story. Well, the last part here, we're going to look at four more verses. This last part shows us what happens and what power is unlocked when this, when this happens. Luke 21, uh, starting at verse 25. Jesus said, you, get, you guys asked for signs about the end? Here are the signs. There will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. Now, if you look through the other Gospels, if you look in the book of Revelation, you can get all sorts of imagery here. Here's just what I'll say safely. People will look around and know that everything is about to change. On the earth, nations, people everywhere, entire groups of people will be in anguish. Just think about that word, anguish. And I love this word. They'll be in perplexity. They don't know what's going on. And they'll be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. Now, this is not a global warming, seas are rising kind of thing. 
This is basically people, again, looking out and seeing, wow, I can hear the water coming. Oh my goodness, look at what the water is doing. And again, if this is literal or figurative, I can't say for sure, but basically what Jesus is saying is, anyone will be able to look out and see that everything is about to change. People will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the earth. What is it? What does this mean? They're apprehensive of, of what's coming on the world. For the heavenly bodies, even the skies themselves, their power will be shaken. So Jesus says, you want signs? There will be signs. You see, we all know what it's like to, to undergo change in our past, but there will be a day when everything else changes. And Jesus now gets to the point. He says, you know what's, what's going to happen? See, all these people are apprehensive. They're scared. They're anxious. There's perplexity going on here because they don't know what's coming on the earth. Do you guys want to know what's coming on the earth? I'll tell you. I'll show you. Next verse. At that time, they'll see the Son of Man coming in a cloud, in glory, with power and great glory. That's what they're going to see. That's when everything will change. And, and there's lots of other parts in the Bible that describe this day in, in much greater detail. But Jesus is basically telling them, there will be a day when I come again, not as a lowly child, not humbly uh, setting aside my powers. I will come again in power and in glory. And that's the day that everything will change. And Matthew actually records a little bit more here. Jesus said, and he, the Son of Man, will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of the heavens to the other. So Jesus is saying, this day is all about you being taken to be with me. He'll send his angels with a loud trumpet, and all will be gathered to him. And this last verse we're going to look at basically summarizes, well, what does this mean? What can we expect? What's this day all about? Jesus said, when these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads. Well, why? Because the best is yet to come. Stand up, lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. Stand up and lift up your heads, because right now all you know is a life where you're mourning the past, a life where th there's going to be disappointment and, and a life where there's going to be sorrow. This life in this creation is one that's constantly bombarded with the effects of sin. Jesus says, when that day happens, I want you to stand up and lift up your heads, because you know what? The best is yet to come. You will be with me. And we'll get things straightened up. We'll get a new creation. We'll get a new heavens, a new earth, a new sky, a new ground, everything new. And it's going to be great. So in a nutshell, Paul, uh, Jesus is telling his disciples, he's saying, guys, you might not know what's coming, but you do know who's coming. And because you know who's coming, you know the best is yet to come. And so my thought for you this, as, we, as we close up this message, my closing thought is simply this. Whether it's the holiday season that's rough for you or whether it's something that's kind of ongoing for you, I know a lot of us have undergone changes from the past that we're going to mourn and we're going to be sorry, um, sad about. But Jesus says, I want you to know someday everything will change. And as long as you're here, 
as long as you're in this world of sin, or a last fill in here, as long as it's called today, I want you to know that the best is yet to come. Now, I just want you to imagine, what would it look like to believe this with all your heart when you walk out that door today? What if you truly believe that the best is yet to come? Can you imagine what that impact would have, what, it, what impact it would have on a marriage to say, you know what, we've had great times, we've had hard times, it doesn't matter what happened yesterday because we both believe the best is yet to come. Can you imagine what impact that would have just on your life in general to, to go forward each day to say, you know what, there are things in the past that haunt me, that give me guilt, that make me worry, that, that provide me with sorrow, but you know what, I don't know what's coming tomorrow, but I know who's coming, therefore I know the best is yet to come. There will be a day when my redemption is here, when I'm drawn up from this world of sin and death. I know that the best is yet to come. And it was just two days before Jesus died that he taught this to his disciples. Because he knew that in order for the best to come, it would take the worst on him. To suffer not just this suffering uh, physically, but to suffer the abandonment of his father on that cross. He did that so that you and I could stand here today knowing that salvation is won, our redemption is drawing near, and so that we can look forward and say, you know what, the best is indeed yet to come. The best is yet to come. And I know that won't magically take away all the sorrow that comes with holiday seasons, and there will always be a part of you that just hurts a little bit. And that's part of living in this world. But Jesus draws our eyes forward to the day when everything else will change too. The day when the best is yet to come. Let's close with a prayer. <clears throat> Dear Lord Jesus, on that day you sat down with your disciples and you told them straightforwardly that there would be difficulties in the future and there would be uncertainties for them. But you comforted, comforted them with the knowledge that with you the best is yet to come. And I know within our congregation and within the people in our community, there's all sorts of things that, uh, that bring us sorrow from the past. And I know that the holidays can be a difficult time for many of us. And so my prayer is that as we enter this joyful time of the year of celebrating your birth, that you would help us to look ahead to the day when everything in this life will change, the day that our redemption will be here, and you'll draw us all to your side. Um, with that comfort in mind, Give us the, the, um, the conviction that, yes, indeed, the best is yet to come. I, I ask that blessing, Jesus, in your dear name. Amen.